bring your appetite because today we're talking all about Irish food with the best chef in Connacht. Welcome back to the Traveling in Ireland podcast. This is actually my second podcast episode featuring the lodge at Ashford Castle. You heard in the last podcast from Paula Carroll and Thomas Breen. And today I am speaking with Jonathan Keane, the executive head chef at the lodge at Ashford Castle. And Jonathan actually is a rather distinguished chef as he has won the best chef of Connacht. Am I pronouncing that right? That's right, yeah, Connacht. Of Connacht in 2017 by the Irish Restaurant Association and the Good Eating Guide. And Wilds at the Lodge, which is your fanciest restaurant there at the Lodge, has won Best Hotel Restaurant in Connacht and Best Fine Dining. So dining there is quite an experience. So thank you, Jonathan, for joining me today. You're very welcome, Jody. Now, I had the great opportunity to meet you in 2016 during the Kong Food Festival. And it was the first Kong Food Festival and I think there was another one that just happened pretty recently. How did that go? Yeah, we had our second one there in June on the June Bank holiday, and it was a great success. We had 6,500 visitors, so it was more than double of uh, the year, but the previous year that you were there. So that kind of took us aback a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, so for next year, we really have to look at... Um, making sure we get the vineyards and parking and all this that stuff. That is a massive growth in a year. But it was a wonderful success. Um, we had a very heavy involvement with the children this year. Um, a couple of months before the festival, we visited all the schools in the area and with little cabbage seeds, and we did a cabbage growing competition. Uh, all the kids then descended on the festival with their big cabbages, <laughs> and, and uh, we picked a winner. So it was good fun, you know. Oh, that and is. That's we excellent. made pizzas with them and cookie-making demos and how to make cookies and gingerbread men and all that. So it was great fun. And the the foodie destination for Kong is a relatively new thought. Now, Ireland has become much more of a food destination in and of itself, um, really becoming recognized for the flavors and the freshness. So what makes Kong a destination, and in particular, uh, the Ashford Estate? Well, Kong Food Village is, is basically, that's what we call ourselves. We're, we're behind the festival, and it's an initiative that we set up in 2015. Uh, I just kind of started around the table a discussion about how many good places there were to eat in Kong for such a small village, and how many different boxes are ticked for visitors, like you could have the, the very formal fine dining in the castle, um, our contemporary restaurant here in the lodge, and all the way down from cafe to gastro bar. Every box, you know, every box is ticked, even though it's only a small village, and the food quality is very good. So we decided to um, set up Kong Food Village, and start working in tandem with each other instead of kind of working in competition that we said we'd work together and try and increase the season 
and help each other by having events on a night that would be historically poor for each of the businesses and and each member would support it and we've kind of gone from strength to strength there and involved in education and our older community as well um, so it's a real community initiative you know just based around food as the focal point you know I, you know i think that's one of the most impressive things to me as i travel through ireland and i see communities really pulling together and pulling each other up instead of having a competition of you know my success means your failure i think that that's probably one of the greatest things i see in ireland is that the overall partnerships between businesses who really are in competition with each other well they are yeah but um my kind of food story would be that when I grew up in the 80s in Connemara, like it's a really rugged rural area, there was a huge sense of community and nearly everything community-based was revolved around food. Uh, you know, so every single house in my village would have had ridges out the back, grown potatoes, you know, food, there was going to each other's houses for big buffets and dinners and, you know, much like the Italian uh, way of life, you know, we had that. But then with the Celtic Tiger and with the boom, as we called it, and the money came, and life got really fast, you know, and I felt that community, the sense of community wasn't as important because everyone was so busy trying to make money, and it became a real kind of different way of life. And it's now only recently, like since 2008, believe it or not, when the recession came again, that community has got stronger. So even though the recession was very bad for a lot of people, um, it has kind of left us with more values in this country now. Uh, it was out of necessity. People have gone back to foraging and growing their own vegetables and stuff. But it's also kind of knitted us more together. And, like, we're a small country. We need, a, we need to kind of support each other, you know. Irish food is local food, as far as I'm concerned. Using, using a good quality Irish product is, is a local product, as Ireland is only... 200 miles wide like so it's only a small place you know um so but that's kind of well that'd be my opinion of the community now we're knitted together because things have slowed down and people have had time to take stock you know so um and now it's just like standing back and realizing what we do have and our ingredients are great like we don't need to copy New York or London or Paris, so we just need to realize what we have and play to our strengths, you know. And and really one of the big strengths I think Ireland has is that, you know, that local food is so fresh and you can really taste it. You know, you, you're not having to sauce it um, or, you know, add add flavors. Your flavors are to complement and not to overwhelm is, is one of the big things that I've noticed in, in Irish food. And it's just, I don't know, it's an amazing freshness that really is, with the bite, you can taste it. Yeah, it's like uh, our ingredients are very good. Now, our climate, of course, plays a big part in that because we get a lot of water, so, <laughs> so the food is good, you know. But there's a lot of misconceptions out there with Irish food as well, Jody. Like, I think if you Google uh, Irish food in a lot of countries, <laughs> you'll get bacon and cabbage or Irish stew will come up, you mm -hmm, know. Mm -hmm. um, and we're partly to blame ourselves for that because in the Celtic Tiger, we did a lot of copying London or Paris or wherever it was happening without kind of realizing that the ingredients in Ireland really is king, you know. Um, we have such quality stuff. Fish, meat, our lamb is basically unmatchable anywhere in the world, in my <laughs> opinion. Uh, it's just why would you 
overdo it with sauces mm-hmm. and elaborate kind of garnishes and stuff. We all did it. I did it myself uh, years ago. You know, I remember one time I kind of changed my way of cooking. I was cooking away back in the boom, and I had 22 garnishes on my lamb dish. And I just had to stop and say, <laughs> why am I doing this to this wonderful piece of meat? Like, you know, and it's just times have changed, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Irish food, really, it is simple. Uh, it is, as you say, about the freshness and the quality of the ingredient rather than the elaborate garnishes and sauces. And it really is just about confidence of product and the chef saying, no, I don't need to do anything with that because it's good enough the way it is, you know. Well, and obviously it's working for you because you have best chef accolades and Wilds at the Lodge has best fine dining and best hotel restaurant accolades. So, you know, obviously you've you've got this down pat. And I know that when we were in Kong last year, we had the opportunity to forage through the through the Ashford estate with you. And I know that you have a rather extensive garden as well. So how yeah. much how much is produced on the estate that that you take advantage of? Well, all my vegetables now for the restaurant uh, are growing in the polytunnel. I'm trying. I'm moving it bit by bit, slowly making them bigger and bigger because I have a very busy uh, wedding business downstairs in the lodge as well. We do anything up to eighty weddings a year. Wow. So, so it's very hard to grow for that amount of people, but we're that's, that'd be in-game is to uh, grow everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But we bring that ethos with us then. We spend an hour out in the woods foraging every day, uh, regardless of weather, because um, it's great for, to decide what we're doing based on what we find. Um, and it's really good for the chefs to know about where the food is coming from. And it gives them a bit of headspace as well. Like It's a, it's a tough industry, as everybody knows. Uh, being a chef isn't easy. But... I try and take a different approach here to the aggressive, kind of high-paced stuff. Yes, we have to work hard, but if the chef is more respectful of the ingredient and of his colleagues and everything, life is just a bit more simple, you know. Um, with polytunnels, the foraging, and then with all the meats. So before any meat goes on the menu, myself and my chefs, we all jump into a few cars and we go off and visit the farm, and we make sure that everything has been done in a good and ethical way, you know. And... We only have one fishmonger, and basically he doesn't get an order. He just brings what he has. Uh, we write the menu to suit him rather than him trying to supply us with a fish that's not sustainable. So we just pick what he, what he thinks is best, and that's kind of the way we work, you know. So it's a real kind of in-touch-with-our-surroundings way of working mm-hmm. and trying to use what's best. We always try to go by the season, so you won't see anything on the menu that's out of season or imported or anything like that. Uh, it's important, you know, to keep the money in the community as much as possible. So if we can buy local, we will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just a good way of working, you know. Um, but as regards of all the accolades and stuff, really it's it's the ingredients that's winning the accolades, you know. I'm just putting it on the plate, you know. We're keeping it quite simple. I know that quite often when you're, you know, when you're working with seasonal ingredients, so your menu is going to change, you know, by the day, by the week, by the month. So is there something that, you know, you really enjoy working with, you really enjoy putting on the plate? Well, I love lamb because I grew up on a sheep farm and we always had lamb, you know, and dad used to kill it. And it was kind of supposed where I got my interest in food. Dad used to do all the butchering, make the black pudding in the back kitchen, all of that kind of stuff. So in in that 
I love when lamb season comes and I boil the lamb whole and just mix sauce with the bones and everything and it really anything at all that connects where I am now as a chef to where my food journey began as a child really because I believe food is such a focal point in everyone's life that nearly every single memory you have I'm sure that there's food going to be involved in it you know so it's and like when lamb season comes along there used to be great excitement around the farm you know when I was growing up so that still kind of gives me a little mm-hmm. bit of buzz to see when that comes in you know but the only difference is now that I'm maybe putting two vegetables on the plate with <laughs> back in the old days when I was putting 22 on the plate. I, I think you're right that food always has an association in our life. And I think that's what makes food tourism kind of an all-encompassing. You know, it, it's not just for a certain age group or a certain uh, demographic. Food tourism can, you know, cover all ages and I think that's what makes it so enjoyable for people to really search out a great meal. Now I have a story from some people I worked with who stayed at the lodge this summer and they said that their boys went fishing on the lock and caught some fish and they brought them in and had them prepared for their dinner. Is that a common occurrence there? Oh yeah, yeah, that's would have a lot of that because uh, um, we're Bang between two um, lakes, two of the best lakes in Ireland for fishing. Uh, the hotel is sitting just between the two of them, so it's um, that's great. Yeah, if our guests can bring that in, we'll cook them. Usually, we cook them very simply, and just trout. Usually, it is or salmon. Mm-hmm. Um, do it, we do it simple with a nice butter or whatever they want, really, you know. But that's what we're all about, you know. It's just kind of from the soil or from the sea straight to the pan or straight to the plate. We're not really worried about um, making any too much elaborate sauces. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of chefs now are using foams and gels and chemicals <laughs> and stuff like that. It's not really our thing, you know. Um, but it's really about what the guest wants as well. Like you know, I think we lost sight of what the guest wants, being important as chefs before. Kind of like we got all Master Chefy and uh, <laughs> Hell's Kitchen and Gordon Ramsay and stuff. Uh, but uh, it's more, but to me, anyways, it's more about community sharing, you know, and enjoying our food for what it is, you know. Uh, you know, and people have worked very hard, farmers work very hard trying to, you know, rear livestock and grow vegetables and stuff uh, just for someone to come along and not respect their food, you know. Uh, there's an awful lot of work that goes into something, the, the simple carrot, you know. Um, so it's just to be more mindful of that, I suppose, you know. Uh, then naturally, if you do start learning a little bit more about where the food comes from, it, it's in your, it becomes into your nature to make sure that you treat it well and you do, you cook it nicely and, you know, and, and you're mindful about waste and stuff like that, you know. It's a natural progression, really. It is, it is. And then also, if I have read the website correctly, you will actually take guests foraging with you. Is that is that correct? Have I? Yeah, yeah. That's, we do that now every day at half eleven. I'll go to the reception at half eleven, and if any of our guests are well, it's open to the public as well. If anybody's there and wants to come foraging with me for an hour, uh, I'd love to bring them, you know, and try and just to try and share a little bit. Some of these people then hopefully will go away. I might have planted a seed in their head that they might want to, uh, you know, start foraging or build a polytunnel and start growing some vegetables or, you know, it's just our little way of trying to do something for food and for good food, you know. And it's a really Uh, interesting experience. Um, I know that when we did the foraging with you, 
you know, and, and we're not from Ireland, so a lot of the, the different plants we were coming across were very unique to us. But still, it was just such a learning experience to, you know, see the plants that you would choose and then you would explain why you chose them and, you know, obviously the plants you don't want to even get near. Um, but it was just a really eye-opening experience to see just what, you know, what knowledge you need to even do that well and do it properly. Yeah, like it's quite surprising really that people would have seen these plants all their lives and not know, not have known that um, you can eat them and stuff like some quite common plants we have that a lot of people, and I find it surprising that people would say to me, oh, can you eat that, you know, and it's really common stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's interesting and when you learn, nature seems to give back kind of to you like my philosophy is trying not to import anything like tropical fruits would be one thing we don't have because obviously our climate but what I've done is I've sourced the flavors and uh, with plants like we have a bush here called gorse flower and it is everywhere it's a yellow flower Mm -hmm. but when you dry it out it has a coconut flavor Uh, so that means I can have a coconut flavored dessert but I don't need to import a coconut where which I don't know, frankly, what chemicals are in it, how the people that have farmed these coconuts are being treated, that kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So you really need to know where the food comes from all the time because nobody knows if it's imported. You don't know, is it ethical? Is there fair labor going on? All these kind of things. It's just to try and do your little bit for the world, you know, and, you know, it's not going to make a huge impact. But if we all do a little bit, just to try and basically have a chemical-free product at the end of the day, you know, is, mm-hmm. is what we're looking for. Something that makes us all kind of happy and happy to eat and happy to work with, you know. That's a great philosophy. I love the, I love the sourcing the flavors and creating something that you're. I would never think to eat gorse flour, in in all honesty. Yeah. It's just you know, yeah, and like yeah. you said, it is everywhere. So. Yeah, so many people say that they don't know, and I would say to them, well. If you were a child and you lived on a, in a rural area um, and used to play on the hills, there was the scent of coconut always in the air, which I would have, I remember, but obviously at the time I didn't realize that you could eat them. But, uh, you know, and there's so much learning to be had. Like another thing we use a lot of is wood sorrel, that myself and my brothers used to eat it straight off the riverbank when we were playing, you know, um, and it tastes like apple. But, of course, until recently, uh, I didn't really know that you could do much with it. And now... Mm. It's everywhere in the woods, and it features very heavily now on my menus, you know. So stuff like that, you know, and mm-hmm. that connects a memory, especially your childhood. If you can connect a few things that kind of, you know, a nice happy memory that has food involved <laughs> in it. And basically that's what I try to do in the restaurant, and hopefully my guests will be like, oh, this reminds me of such and such a thing, you know. Oh, that's, that's what we're trying to do. Food memories, I think, are probably some of the strongest because you have – you know, a visual and a scent and a taste to them. And I think that's what, what really brings them into focus so quickly as opposed yeah, to other the memories. Yeah, makes it more special and stuff, you know. Like if we're to, we do a thing here called a chef's table, that, but it's a, with a difference. We don't give them a menu straight away. We try and find out if somebody books the chef's table, I'll give them a questionnaire asking them what was their favorite childhood food, um, childhood memories, food memories, Christmas time, what did they eat, all that kind of stuff. And then I'll create a menu for each individual person around the table based on what they filled in on the questionnaire. So oh, wow. hopefully, 
hopefully we'll kick into or we'll create some kind of food memory or happy food memory for them. That you know? sounds like an incredible experience and definitely something worth looking at. So what would you say, because obviously the castle itself has very fine dining as well. So what would you say is the difference between Wilds at the Lodge and the what is the King George in the castle? Yeah, well, the George would be the more classical, more fine dining approach. Um, so the food, um, Philippe Barino is the chef in the castle. He's a very, very good chef. And their food would be, the easiest way for me to describe it, it would be more refined and more disciplined, I suppose, than mine where mine is more about the ingredients, more contemporary in some ways. I'd call my cooking like freestyle cooking. So when you get my food in wilds, I could be liable depending on what kind of mood I'm in or something. I could be picking the sauce onto the plate or I could be, sometimes it'll be neat and tidy, sometimes it'll be rough and ready. But it's very much based on mood and freedom and uh, much like art, you know, it's just kind of dependent on mood and stuff, you know. I suppose it's more a more freestyle approach we take here and in the castle then in the George it would be really really refined you know really focused flavours and focused presentation and stuff where ours would be a bit more wild and you, you could be liable to get a few surprise courses thrown here and there <laughs> and you might even get a few experimental courses in wilds uh, you might be a guinea pig on a few new <laughs> but, uh, but it's just a, a little bit more free and a bit more loose cooking but uh, between the two restaurants and then of course we have our casual dining options like in the castle they have the cottage, um, which is like international bistro-style dishes. And then there is the dungeon in the castle, which is casual dining, like a steak, kind of a steakhouse feel to it with all Irish meats and stuff. And then here in the lodge, I do uh, Irish tapas as well. So basically Irish artisan tapas, tapas-style food, but based really on the product and the ingredients and really good Irish fish and meats and stuff. So between everything on the estate, we tick a lot of boxes. I think everyone's box really is ticked there, you know. So it's Definitely. it's good. It's good to work together, and, you know, each place is a little bit different. So it works quite well. Excellent. I'm, I'm going a little off my questionnaire here because now I'm very curious. So what is one breakfast-type item that you think everyone should try when they come to Ireland? Uh, well, most of the places, and not all the places, but most of the places do potato cakes. Mm-hmm. We have a very good Irish potato and scallion cake, called scallion. We call it a spring onion. It's a green onion. Sure, I think it's called spring onion in America, but we call them scallions. You need to try, if you're, especially if you're in an Irish country house hotel, you need to try their potato cake. You know, I don't think they I suppose you'd have hash browns would be the equivalent <laughs> of them, you know. But a potato cake or a box tea. Our sausages would be very different. You know, Irish sausages are very, very good. and There's not a lot of chemicals or anything in them. They'd be the main things, you know. Uh, we have good. Good free-range eggs, but anything really. You have to, I suppose, you have to have the Irish fry, you know, even though it's a lot of calories, it's full of calories. But you have to do it once, really, when you're here. You know. A nice you know. big hike will take care of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really the what you need to have at breakfast time, and it'll set you up for the day. Well, this has been so eye-opening um, with food because, like I said, a lot of people, when they think of Ireland, do have kind of a, a narrow vision of food, and to you know really expose the Irish food experience for what it is now as opposed to maybe what people have in their mind is really, really refreshing. So to sign off, I am going to ask you, what three places do you think that uh, people should, if they really want a great foodie tour of Ireland, what three places should they maybe add to their itinerary that will really just finish off that trip with some great food memories? 
Driving is the best way to discover everything Ireland has to offer, and I'm thrilled to partner with Irish Car Rentals for our fall travel this year. To get your own unbeatable quote on car rental in Ireland, visit irishcarrentals.com and use code IFV, that's IFV for Ireland Family Vacations, when you check out. Thanks so much for listening, and here come those recommendations. Okay, well, I would say that everybody needs to visit the burn if they can. Now, the burn is it's a little bit south of here. It's on the west coast of Ireland. It's it's basically in County Clare, but it's like half the county, and it's it's on limestone land. It's spread out over 30 or 40 miles. There's the cliff. That's where the cliffs of Moher are. But there's so many brilliant places. Like there's a chocolate factory. There's a smokehouse. Um, there's some fine restaurants, and really, it's just a really well-known foodie area. There's goat's cheese producers, there's oysters, everything. So the Burren would be a really well-known food region we have here. And that's just like an hour south of Galway City. Mm-hmm. And that will be one must. The second one, I would say nearly everybody who comes to Ireland comes in through Dublin. So uh, in my opinion, the best restaurant in Dublin is called The Greenhouse. It's on Dawson Street. The food there is just spectacular. The the flavour and the dishes is absolutely unreal but it, again it's a fairly straightforward approach and it just really focuses on flavour you know mm-hmm. so the greenhouse in Dawson Street will be number two and I suppose then the third one would be Ballymaloo in County Cork Ballymaloo House where basically it's run by the Allen family it's farms everything is done from scratch there they make their own butter their own milk their own cheese everything um, there would be really a well-known food family in Ireland. They would be an influence of mine when I decided to become a chef. They would definitely be someone I would have been, Myrtle Allen would be someone that I would have been respected and would have liked to emulate, you know. Um, so down in Ballymaloo in County Cork, uh, that's where you get a real true vision of Irish food, you know, where everything is made from scratch. Everything is on the farm and it's simple, you know, simple and fresh, you know. Excellent. So that's it. Excellent. Those are all great choices. The Burren is one of my absolute favorites because there is just so much going on there that people don't yeah, don't recognize from the you know from just a glance at the area. Well, Jonathan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. You know, kind of wetting my appetite for my upcoming trip. I am so excited to be able to visit you at the lodge. So I look forward to seeing you again. And thank you so much for joining me today. My absolute pleasure, Jody. Thanks very much.